do you want Exiles or do you, oh, sorry, do you want Gen X, do you want uh, Excalibur? Because those are the two pain points. I'll have Gen X. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Excaliburos. Yay! Yay! We are catching up. There's a lot of catching up to do. Uh, it's been a crazy, bloody... January, uh, a lot of things happening. So this is going to be kind of a like a, a speed, a speed, a speed dating version of uh, uh, comic book reviews. We're just going to just 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 to like give everyone a look behind the curtains. A lot of these books not so good, and we're like, hmm, I'd rather not spend a lot of time talking about these. So we're going to talk more about the books we like, a little less about whatever the hell is happening with uh, Excalibur and uh, Gen X. And um, hopefully next time we'll come back with uh, two separate uh, podcasts. It's just January scheduling has been, has been tough. Um, but uh, Dan, I think we're going to start off with Generation X number 11, number 12. Number 11, yes. you ready to go, sir? I'm ready to go. So, um, number 11 is written by, or plotted by Scott Lobdell, um, written by Lobdell and DiZago. I assume that's a parrot. Todd DiZago is his name. Yeah. There we go. Pencil is Val Zemeckis. Um, got two inkers, Al Milgram and Andy Lanning. It's really, I hate this font. The font in this comic is horrible. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say. Um, colorist is Electric Crown. So Electric Crown are doing all of the colors now. Um, (laughs) And we have Richard Starkins and Comic Craft on lettering, and the front cover is um, not credited in these in these texts, but it does look like a Bacalo, um It is. It's a Bacalo. So we have Chamber just being Chamber with fire everywhere. Not his best work. Not his worst work, and at least it's tied into the rest of the book. And it's probably um, the best, still the best artwork in this book. Oh yeah, hands down, this is the best thing to see. Um, so from one really. Uh, lovely um chamber we turn to the first page of a really horrible looking chamber so when we last looks met like our... a zombie chamber zombie chamber yeah from marvel zombies like a variant cover um we left our kids uh at the hands of omega red chamber was in the water and lobdell is quick to point out that he doesn't need to eat breathe do or shit or do anything because he's a living um chamber of psionic energy and essentially uh oh, Dan disappeared. Anything? I will boil this down. This, this book, this this book is in two parts. It is Banshee is upset about things, and we hear about about, about his past. He shoots someone, and, sh- and the evil person shoots at him, and it all leads to someone he kind of likes falling to her death. And Emma's semi-naked, going along for the ride. Um, the other element is that Omega Red, for some reason, like separating souls from people now, because apparently that's a thing he does. Chambers out to stop him. They end up on a, um, what do you call them, a massive dam, because it always ends up on a dam. And then un- Unstoppable Omega Red is stopped by two bricks to the neck, um, as opposed to an immense amount of psychic energy. And everyone, <laughs> he is literally, below, he is 
in this book, he is blown up by John. Right, we have all witnessed Jono's, and we have been told that Jono's explosions are devastating. And Make Red just shrugs them off like it's just being dust being thrown at him. And then apparently two tiny pieces of brick in his neck are enough to take him down. This is the man that even Wolverine's claws can't just slice through. But two 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 tiny bricks is is all that's needed. Um, and then we end with everyone super happy um, after they all come out of comas. Um, and they're having a party. But wait, what is there in the shadows? Some We have M-Plate threatening his return. And that is as fast and it's probably as much knowledge as you need for this book. Yeah. Um, I, I thought, throughout, like you mentioned, Dan, it was like, oh, giant explosions in his face. Don't phase him. A brick against the head knocks him knocks him unconscious. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> um, in, 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 my, in my version of this book also, what I would like to point out, and the, my, my favorite part of the book, and it's stupid, is they vote for Storm um, bit in one of, in the other letters page, because I think around the time uh, Marvel vs. Was, DC was happening, and you had to vote for either character who you wanted, it's nice to see a vote for Storm like little thing there, and that was my favorite part of the comic. Didn't even wasn't even part of it. Um, yeah, it was... I mean, there are moments of, like, Emma and Sean, you're like, oh, okay, they're still sort of having a bond, and, you know, Chamber getting a spotlight is nice, but... You're, but we basically had this backstory already in a previous issue, in a dream, so I don't know we need to go through all this again with Sean just to realize, hey, it's actually Omega Red, like we kind of thought it was before. That was really pointless. It just felt like, well, we have nothing going on. Um, I need a filler issue. Can we just have someone come in and, and draw a chamber fighting Omega Red for a while while like plot some other more important stuff? Yeah, it feels like, because um, I know that Scott uh, Lobdell's not on it for very much longer. I think he, he leaves in um, about nine issues. Um, but visually, um, it's one of those cases of the art dragging the script down, but the script wasn't that strong to begin with right. which makes the whole read quite bland uh lobdell's trademark sort of fun with the characters is gone um jono is half spider-man half wolverine in his dialogue as he's throwing like insults and wisecracking while also threatening to kill omega red um there's some interesting visuals that i like about jono but i think that just comes with jono anyway i think other artists would have like the idea that he's got like a basically floating top of his head and the rest is just fire and then there's his body um, it's a nice visual, but I think other artists, of course, back alone, but other artists have shown that and done it more justice. Sure. Um, I think the pacing of the story is off because it's clear that they only had the, the fight between Omega Red and Jono was kind of like a 10 minute sequence in a yes. 20 minute episode. Yes. And they just filled the rest of the 20 minute episode with. <sighs> it's supposed to be character work for Banshee, for people who obviously haven't really read about Banshee if they've only just joined in on this series. It's supposed to be character work, but the character work so so he let someone die. Not saying that's something to go, oh well, but like I feel like that could have been shown in a better way. And this whole like tangential, his spirit has left him now; it's come back because he's accepted something. is really weird. And then they all go for a party afterwards, and it's just like, okay, and there's like, uh, and it's like I won't be back, <laughs> and it it kind of just ends. And the color work is horrible. I generally don't like any of the color work. There was, the blacks are way too inky for me and kind of distort mm. the, the line work. I think the, the fire is too much, there's too much yellow. Um, completely too much yellow. There's no like mm. nuance. 
in the color in the fires color which we it's it's our it's their own fault they they gave us um a treat like baccalaureate to begin with and um the color working that was like provided with his work kind of gave a lot of shade to different elements and here we just it's just blank um there's some really terrible panels like where emma's waking up and it's just like this gray fades to red and then like mondo and emma are just like all in like grays and and like this weird there's weird color choices in some of these panels i I don't understand the motives behind it let alone like I'm not saying, hey, I don't understand why the lighting is this way. It's more like, what are they trying to say by coloring it like this? And I just feel like they let the the, the silver background just bleed into the characters. I don't, I don't know what's happening. It's um, it's this felt like a like a what a waste. If I had bought this back in the day as a kid, I probably still would have been all right. But I would have been like, you know, I would I've been happy just to have a comic book. But I would have looked at it compared to the other books and been like, wait a second, something feels wrong. This isn't worth the money. I mean, it's not worth the money, right? If we weren't like reading this on you know, Marvel Unlimited or whatever, this, this, we would not be purchasing this book, right? No. Hands down, no. I can live without the story. The idea, the promise of MP coming back and, and there may be... Because I think the book has struggled since the crossover with Age of Apocalypse. Yeah, for it's sure. It struggled to find its feet. It found its feet immediately... And now it seems to be struggling to go back to that kind of kids learning monster of the week. I don't know what's happening here. Because, like, I don't know. It's not good. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, let's let's just move on uh, to something that's equally confounding, but in maybe different ways. Um, we have Excalibur number 22. Uh, I have writer Chris Claremont, penciler Chris Wozniak. And I'm going to have to open up some pages here to see. Um, Al Milgram is the artist. Tim Hardens is the letterer. Brad Van Cotta is the colorist. Terry Cavanaugh, editor, blah, blah, blah. So that's so crazy. Al Milgram is the inker on Generation X. Yeah. Now he's, and he's here helping the art. I mean, help, helping. I don't know if I could say helping. This, I, <laughs> I, the last issue we did for Excalibur, I was like, uh, "What's happening?" And I was not going to go back and reread it. And then I read this one. And I'm like, I feel like we skipped an issue because this doesn't feel like it ties together with the last issue. Not that I'm going to go back and reread because I don't want to torture myself any more than I have to. Um, and speaking of torture, we've got Nightcrawler being tortured in this book. And look, there, there's multiples of each character, and I'm not sure really who is who. Uh, it's not really clear on which Rachel is our Rachel or another Rachel or what happened to Jean Grey or didn't happen to Jean Grey. Or like, there's, is, is, this, is the past with Rachel really her past or another Rachel's past or what's going on? It's just a bunch of like confusing nonsense with some like gender swapped characters and cables. Like a friendly X Men now, and you're, you're like, oh, oh, look, this fun alternate universe. Like, no, this is not a fun alternate universe. This is just dumb ridiculousness. Um, and at the end, it's just like, hey, don't worry, because Alan Davis will be back, and that's all that matters. Uh, there's that panel, and you need to know that uh, in our world, they're trying to release the Warwolves. If you can remember from the initial 
uh, Excalibur story. That, that's basically the only two plot points you need to pay attention to because the rest of it is like, I've got this character, but there's also a double of this character, and which is which? doesn't really matter because it's all nonsense. That, that's all I can say, Dan. It's all nonsense. It, 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 I... Go on. No, no, please take this away from me. Um, so I feel like I was brainwashed as a kid or something because, like, when I get look, I have loads of fond memories of Excalibur, obviously, cause obviously Alan Davis. But um, clearly, I thought very, I thought higher of the tie, the cross time caper than it actually is. Like nostalgia has clearly put like a hundred rose tinted glasses in front of me. Um, whereas I think I'm just waiting for when all this ends and Alan Davis takes over writing it. Essentially, <laughs> um, now like. It, this issue is a mess. It's, it pretends that making something convoluted means it's clever. And it, it, it doesn't really provide any closure. It's just like, oh, by the way, next time we're going to be in a different universe. Uh, but there's no closure here. There's like, this just happened. This just bled into the world. It just happened. And, yeah. um, I can't tell us if it's bleeding into our world or it's the other world or, or which it's, it was really unclear. Like, and it's a really horrible panel, and the color work is just there's so much green. Like, mm. really, and why are people like bent in this way where asses are now like super up? Like, yeah, Megan has always got her ass up, and uh, and Rachel like in weird angles. Yeah, and so, to be fair, so does so does Brian in a couple of panels. Um. Just, none of it really does anything, and the big whole showdown between thing between the two caps and Iron Man is such a letdown. Like it doesn't even compute on on like a scale to one to ten. I know this podcast. If we're going to go this quick with all the books, probably in the last half an hour. But um, yeah, I'm I'm done. I'm ready for Alan Davis' return, and I'm done with this. I wonder if that pose is like a Milgram pose. If we were going to look to a bunch of other books he's done, is everyone like? Like with if if they were facing away from us, ass out to the left, leaning over to the right, like punching or shooting something. There's like eight of those poses in this book. I wonder if like in every Milgram book, there's like a dude like pose like that, ready to punch somebody. Because it it, uh, it doesn't look. I think he want, thinks it looks like dynamic, like they're about to be in action, but it just looks like they're doing a, like a. a <laughs> well, you know, in Dragon Ball, what was the name of like the team that did all the weird poses before they fought? Oh, Ginyu. Yeah, I feel like she's they're doing like Ginyu force poses here right before they're about to fight. Like they make no sense. There's no re- reason for it. Um, but yeah, I, I I I was lost with this book. Part of it was I didn't it didn't grab me from the start, and the other part was I'm. Like you've done with this cross time caper, there's a part the like I don't know the first third of the cross time caper is fun, but we've had two more thirds that have been a slog with an occasional bright spot here or there. You know what I mean? Pretty much. So yeah, um, here's hoping that Alan Davis clears cleans this up. But he comes back for a few issues. He's gone again for a while, right? And then he comes back for a long run. Yeah. He does a few issues and disappears, and then he comes back as the the he takes over the book as the writer and right. And he comes back beforehand before he becomes the writer, but then he takes over fully for a little while. Well, let's uh, Excalibur issue twenty three. Uh, it still says cross time caper on the cover, Dan. I'm looking at it, and it 
you know, it's kitty on the cover, and it's doing like a kitty uh, Days of Future Past cross with the Dr. Dread book. I don't know. I mean, it's Alan Davis. It could be fun. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. It can't be any worse than this. Yes. That is the worst. <laughs> it, reading this was a slog. Oh. <sighs> Remember when we were like, hey, nothing's better than Excalibur. And now I'm like, hey, anything's better than Excalibur. Yeah, and yeah, how, the t- how times change. Um, Talking about um, changing times. Than yeah. You know, this Excalibur has all been about like this other, other world and blah, blah, blah. This, this Exiles issue took the concept and just like made a really cohesive and compelling story. And it didn't even need to focus on any of our main characters. I read this like, hey, I want the next one right away. I want to see what happens. I don't know what you did here, Mr. Winnick, but this was this was enjoyable. Yes, Exiles number uh, 23 by Jud Winnick, uh, Kev Walker on pencils and on inks. Uh, Transparency Digital is some coerced. And I assume it's either Paul Catrone or Dave Sharp as that is because it doesn't really just specify. Mm. Um, but with an iron fist, I believe it is that um, yes. this arc is called. And we are treated to a Iron Man wearing Doctor Doom's cape as the main um, cover. It's not too bad; it's menacing in its own way, but it doesn't really set. Set. I imagine when I was younger, I was like, "Oh, it's so cool!" But now I'm like, mm, "It's fine. It's fine. It'll do." Um, <laughs> So, in the United States capital, in New York City, we find Iron Man has basically taken over the world. Um, however, he, he has taken over the world in such a way that he's convinced he managed to do it in such a beautifully unhanded way, it's frighteningly um, relevant to now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kind of bizarre. He came to prominence with the Mutant War. Um when Magneto and his army of mutants, including Cyclops and Wolverine, tried to kill all of humanity. Um, before that, he had used his considerable financial might to, as quote-unquote, take an economic stranglehold of the world. Um, Iron Man became the saviour, and he used. then you found out that he actually went to Magneto and made a, made a little plan so that he could fin more super-powered individuals out of the, uh, the world. It's funny, does his his massive play. Then he betrays Magneto on live on television, streamed to the world. Then, then miraculously, there's a disease that kills all animals we eat, and then there's a disease that destroys so much of the world's crops. But obviously, the Stark Tech has the the cure. He gets the Nobel Peace Prize, and then people are like, "Oh, he should be president." So he gets president of the United States. And then he made a deal with Doom, but Doom betrays him. He still gets what he wants, all of Washington, D.C. destroyed, and therefore the, the fundamental power structure of your nation is crippled. Um, but he has a fight with Doom, wins, wears the cape. Uh, in the present, he's kind of bored. He seems to want everything um, to be as it is. Uh, you find out that the battle with Doom made him all green and ugly, so he uses a hologram. And then you find out what he's been hunting for, which is Atalan, uh, ruled by the Black Black Bolt himself and Susan Storm, who is a widow, but obviously, and obviously Black Bolt's also a widow, and they came together, and they live under the water in a ship that can't power itself. For the city's going to like lose power, and therefore it'll have to float. Um, 
he sends Sentinel Iron Man or Iron Men to go destroy the place, but uh, Sue's created a Reed in his death. Uh, was given plans to create like a super shield to defend from Galactus, and so the Atlan has a super shield. And Tony's not very happy about that. And who should turn up? But dun dun dun, not our exiles. Weapon X, led by Gambit, who was like, "Hello, we're here to help you, or we're here to set things right." And that is about it. Yeah, However, I mean, it's you blasted it's through it, but it's written really well. Um, he's not too wordy, like sometimes he can be. Um, the panels, the word panels aren't covering the artwork. The artwork actually, I felt, did a really compelling job of of portraying Iron Man as like the hero, and then slowly he became more of a villain, even in in the way he was drawn. Um, yeah, it was. I was like, this is an else using DC term, like an Elseworlds Elseworlds story that I was instantly hooked with and just want more of. You know, I want a spin-off of just this book, to be honest. To be fair, it is, it is, was quite, it is quite compelling. Artistically, it's quite nice. I like how it becomes more grimdark with the situations. Um, and, and when the Weapon X turned up, it felt almost fitting it was Weapon X, not the Exiles. Sure. Because um, obviously it's a more darker lena mission and um but i just like that it was slightly it was very straightforward it didn't conceal anything it was very straightforward but it reads like it like tony stark is that kind of clever deceitful man and would do this shit if he wasn't good and i just i thought it was fun and i thought it was good so there you go no, it was great. I'm really excited to get to the next issue. Uh, like, this issue deserves uh, much more of a breakdown and analysis than the others did. Uh, it was just oh, very... Yeah. Like, the word I keep using is compelling, but every every word felt placed perfectly. Even the way that they drew the mutants was really, like, savage. So you had the feeling like he was... Iron Man was the hero while, you know... Wolverine obviously looks like a savage, but so does Cyclops and Havoc and all the others. You're, it's really like a dark, it's a dark and gritty world, but it doesn't feel like, hey, we're dark and gritty and that's all that matters. It was like, hey, this is the world's kind of shit, and so uh, we're trying to do the best we can, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm mumbling now, but this was fun and and... Like good character work on the this main character slash bad guy we'll be following for another probably two issues, um, and given how they treat three story, three part stories, the third part will probably be shit. But um, th- this first issue, I I was all for. I bought in, and it was the one joy uh, yesterday when I was reading these. I thought, okay, I'll. I'll you know what, Dan? I'm actually gonna do this thing because otherwise, I was gonna suggest like, do we do we need to do these issues? <laughs> can we can we skip another week? I don't want to put myself through this. Well, to be fair, it's a very interesting um, story. I do like the fact that, to, like in the in the arc of the book, um, when Blink left, uh, Winnick decided to have a hiatus with the actual main team and do yeah. a story that you probably could tell. With the normal exiles, but they're too heroic to live in 
this world. So I think yeah. you wanted a really dark sort of because it is bleak. There is no one left alive, really. Right. And um, he's just sat there. And the fact that when they they talk about how he wants the Kree to experiment on them so they can make super soldiers and conquer the stars. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, okay, this is like full-on villain territory. If, if the exiles turn up, they obviously have to stop him. But it's more like the other team turns up and you instantly go, ah, right. So... They're the purpose isn't to, to stop them necessarily. It's to put the world yeah. back to its the order so it doesn't, I don't know, implode or whatever. Yeah, and it, and with the more villainous villainous team, quote unquote villainous, um, you'd think that maybe they're helping this horrible Tony Stark, and that it it has a lot of layers and questions to it. But it was definitely the standout book out of three that we read. Yeah, easily. Uh, for our classic roundup, this is the one to read. Um, what's what's? Oh boy, let's let's take a look at the cover that's that's coming next. What uh, what do we have here? Vision and um, Gambit and Angel, which actually all look kind of cool in their own way. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm excited, dude. Uh, this is going to be interesting. This is part two, so we're probably getting a part three. Otherwise, it would save the finish. Uh, so, I mean, I alluded to it, but these, these three-parters, they don't always work out uh, in terms of pacing as a three-issue arc, you know what I mean? But, uh... And I actually believe this is his swan song. Okay. As in, uh, Winnick's last proper... Oh, no, it's not. No, it's not. Winnick doesn't leave for a little bit longer. There's a little, like, he has, like, a little break. Mm-hmm. And after this... After this, he has a break, and then he comes back um, for a little bit. All right, and then he, then he leaves. Well, so. this was um, not a joy to read, but this was very entertaining. I uh, I was re- really happy that this one this one popped in, and I read this the third out of the three, so um, it was like, oh, this is bad. Know. Oh, this is bad. <clears throat> oh, hey, wait a second. I feel like not killing myself. Right, so, um, moving on, we thought we only actually touched upon um, Excalibur number one from the dawn of X. Excalibur number one and New Mutants number one last time. And since then, there's been, pardon my language, a fuck ton of books released. Um, Yeah. uh, Thanks to double shipping and such forth. So instead of having, like we said before, instead of having our um, lovely two... Um, to episode count, we were just gonna condense all of what Excalibur has to offer and all of what New Mutants have to offer in one little like foul swoop. And we may as well start with Excalibur as it's in the title um, of our yeah. podcast. So um, Dan, so it's, what it's fair to say that we were very on the announcement of this book. We were fairly excited for what this could be, and yes. we started off trepidatious but maybe positive. And if you listen to us on, on Jason's Snickcast, we've been sort of less and less positive on this book. Have you read all the way up to issue six? Yep. All right. So I'll I'll give you I'll if you want, I can take Scalabur. Oh no, no, I just was I don't know if we need to cover every single issue of what happened. Oh no, I was this is how I'm going to cover it. So mm-hmm. we're covering three to six. The easy thing to say is all of the covers are by Mahmoud Azwa and they are the highest quality. Each one is fun. 
or have has a different like personality. They're all beautifully coloured. They are artistically more interesting than what's inside, and they tell their own story. Like for example, issue four is Betsy fighting a dragon, which is a story I totally want want to see. Um, right, we didn't get. <laughs> yeah. An issue, an issue three. Um, it looks like Richter's being saved by Daddy Apocalypse. That could be a love story that totally could have happened, but I doubt will. Um, no. But all the all all of the covers are beautiful. Now, to condense the plot, it's easy to say. Um, when you met, when we met, when we first discussed um, Excalibur, they they were dealing with other world and magic, and they continue to deal with other world and magic up until issue six, which is the end of the arc ish ish feels like it should be ending um and what happens is a lot of procrastination and treading water to get to that final moment um apocalypse has a very ill-defined plan that ends with um jamie braddock yes that jamie braddock on the throne of Otherworld, um and him being the puppet master as he dissects morgan the fae um betsy becomes Starts off being a main character, ends up being an ancillary character in her own book where she's Captain Britain. Um, talking about Captain Britain, Brian is turned evil, then is upset because he can no longer be back Captain Britain. He can be the Lionheart persona that the Sword of Might gives him. We just want to use it because bad juju for some unknown reason is really ill defined why him and Betsy don't swap amulet and shield and when they do swap, it's very all motivations ill defined. Yeah. Um, Rogue is asleep until uh, issue five, where she drains Apocalypse of his life and then becomes Apocalypse Rogue for like an issue, just so she can like defeat an army essentially. Um, unlike her previous um, use of her powers, where she understands and remembers people's memories and, and motivations, when Gamba asks about Apocalypse, she has no clue. None of it's in her, even though she's as blue as Apocalypse can be. Um, Gamba is just whines that. Rogue is asleep and threatens Apocalypse all until issue 6 where he just has a bath and they decide to not have children which was mentioned, mes- mentioned in issue 1 but completely ignored for most of the arc Richter is now Earth Jesus Yeah, he doesn't like doesn't like using his powers uses it for Apocalypse, meets some dudes who say that he's an Earth um, he's like a deity and he's totally fully, fully um, into that role the cutest storyline is Shogo goes to Overworld, becomes um, becomes um, a dragon in Overworld because of, of his imagination, and is, is said dragon in Overworld, which is adorable. Um, has no relevance, but is at least adorable. Jubilee is... does something. That's all I can really say. Um, and I think that's about it, because the plot is convoluted as balls. Like, it really just... Um, I still don't know what happened. It just, at the end of it, it feels like Morgan the Fae gave up and is now being dissected because Jamie is godlike and just finishes the match and right. all of it. But, like, there was a plot, Apocalypse's plot, to make sure that his power got to Rogue so that things could happen, but that doesn't really give birth to anything. And at the end, she no longer has Apocalypse's power again for reasons. Um, and she's saying that you should trust him or something. Like the only really, there's some really good moments, moments, fleeting moments, yes. like Apocalypse, like Xavier saying to Apocalypse, "Please be still, be on our side, because we need you, brother." You know when he's resurrected. I thought that was interesting, and the fact that Jamie's there with his resurrection. Yeah, 
No. And like they're bringing Jamie in was like, yeah, stroke a genius. All right, I'm starting to get on board with this book again. Um, the, what I want something from Jubilee. I want something from Rogue. I don't want them to just be like in the background. And I despise the fact that they just decided that Betsy has a handful of scenes, but she's basically a a bit player in Apocalypse's grand. If if they had pr- promoted this series as this is the Apocalypse series where he um, conquers magic and starts doing creepy crap in Otherworld, I'd have been like, ah, oh, then that makes sense because that's exactly what the book is. Um, right. Artistically. I really like the way um, the characters are drawn. Um, I really like the redesigning of a lot of their costumes to reflect mm-hmm, the old, mm-hmm. uh, evil panel. I think um, the the quote unquote acting isn't the best, but um, color work. Everyone's nicely colored, but Georgie hates much. Like I, I try to defend the first issue of backgrounds. It's just every issue. There's this. There's just it's just a random color in the background. They might as well just have white in the background. Um, because everything's so ill-defined outside. Much like the plot, everything's so ill-defined. The world itself, visually, is ill-defined. Very. <laughs> if I can put my... If, if you haven't guessed already, my, my entire definition of what we've just read is ill-defined. Yeah. So yeah I just threw, it up, just threw it away. For sure. The the plot, at the end, I was like, I, I guess things happened. You wrapped it up in, in a way, for reason. I don't know. There, there was a moment, I don't, I don't know if it's issue five or six, where they're about to get into a battle. And people, the dialogue started to come alive for a second. I'm like, all right, they're going to function as a team. And the apocalypse is like, ah, fuck that. I got this. And you're like, all right, I guess this is just Apocalypse's book then. As you mentioned, Betsy does, I don't know, nothing. Rogue literally gets fridged um, for issues, then comes back and then does, doesn't do anything with her new power. Jubilee just kind of hangs around in the background. Gambit just kind of like wines for a while i don't i don't know if anyone does anything in this book except for apocalypse to be honest um i do like richter's costume uh i like obviously we've, we've gone on and on about apocalypse's uh uh vestiges but um it's like every time this book you start to peek your head out of the clouds the more cloud cover comes on like another layer and i just get lost again where, where are we it's a nice touch to have rachel come in and help people with a, as a firefox with a sword to like sort of maybe it made some more sense if she was a firebird but um yeah but like um we can we can always um uh assume that when they were writing it, it was like, oh yeah, we'll put Pete Wisdom in as a nod to the, you know, the night he's Excalibur. Rachel can be an ex- nod to Excalibur. I mean, he was there to be like, hey, I'm around, and uh, you, you need help? Sorry, I'm going to stay at my apartment. You guys go do stuff. What What was the point? I don't, I don't, I don't know what the point of the book is, Dan. I feel like now that I hope, no, I don't feel, I hope that now this story is gone. And we've established this sort of like Jamie in Otherworlds, like an arching plot with Apocalypse doing shit. Hopefully, we can just get. I know this sounds this sounds terrible because obviously Don of X is trying to redefine the concept of X Men. Maybe we can just go to some good old fashioned superheroics with with a cast of characters that are kind of fun. Oh, 
like if I I am all about I mean we're reading all the wacky books right I am all for them like t- turning things on their heads and doing something weird with the team but they I guess they did that here but it's incoherent like you can't just be weird and then be like hey we did something cool that's that's not storytelling that's just like throwing letters against the fridge and seeing whatever word like pops up uh it it spells out nothing happened here what happened anything of anything coherent happened do we know what happened to rogue no idea like her and gambit at the end there was like a tension of like what are they gonna break up almost it was weird it was why is rogue on the team why is why can't Brian handle stuff like nothing you go through these six issues and you're like we started in one place and we ended in another, and I don't know how we got here, and I don't know where here is. Like this is, uh, this is incompetent storytelling now, Dan. It's gone from, from like ah, we'll, we'll get there to like, I don't know where we, how did we get here? The the, the map has a bunch of warp points. <laughs> I uh, like where, I'm just so confused about what this book is trying to be. And I can't enjoy it. Even even the like, the character, as you mentioned, we we always mention the characters always look great. Outside of that, there's nothing really to enjoy visually about the book. There's a few moments like- of like dialogue, and the idea of using Jamie is like, yes, let's use Jamie, and they use him for a second at the very end, and you're like, all right, maybe they'll have a use for him in the future. That gives me a little bit of hope, but it's. It feels like Howard. It feels like there's like a, a di- like we always we have always said that there's a lot of editorial control in certain areas. And it does feel someone should have like, put some editorial control on this. It feels very much like there's a push and pull going. Like they want like I don't know if it was Hickman, Howard, whatever, but someone wanted the mystical side of 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 the mutant universe to be explored clearly. Um, Howard was given so many characters to use. She's clearly only interested in apocalypse. Like narratively, she's yes. only interested. Yes. She's either only interested in apocalypse, or she's been told to only write apocalypse side of it. What, wh- whoever said that apocalypse is the only thing that anyone has interested in this book. The, the, the thing that should have been the for, at the forefront, Betsy becoming Captain Byrne, is only tangentially used, and the, and then they use the whole a mutant can't be uh, the savior of Britain uh, thing, which they sort of show in one issue and kind of don't really go any further um i feel like you need to like com- now that apocalypse is out of the way i assume he's going to still be on the team i feel like they need to commit to other storylines about the other characters i i was just not gonna not gonna fly yeah uh they they need to i don't know they need they need, they need to have a direction and a purpose and cut some of the fat and and move forward with something, something logical, in terms of story. In that, not like, hey, we can't do mystical stuff, but no, do the mystical stuff, but have it make sense. <clears throat> Pretty much. It's fr- frustrating. But anyway, we have one more book to talk about, which is a book of two sides. It really is a tale of two cities here with New Mutants because 
you'll get the highest of highs and then you'll get the fuckest of fuck yous because every issue with Hickman is hilarious, well plotted, full of character moments, and Rod Reyes is allowed to just draw to his heart's content and each panel is gorgeous and colorful and stylized and meaningful and they use there's Hickman dialogue all over this this book when Hickman's writing it, right? He's going above and beyond Claremont at some points, but it never feels like it's unnecessary. It's a lot of like humorous asides and fun, and it never pro- prohibits the artwork from telling its side of, of the story as well. It's if, if Hickman is writing, if there's one amazing book out of all this Don of X, it's The New Mutants when Hickman and Rod Reyes are on it. Because it's like the pinnacle of what the art form, not that every book has to be like this, but like the creatives working in tandem to create something amazing that it's better than the sum of its parts, right? Yes, it's um, it almost is like poetry in motion. It, each individual issue of Hickman and Reyes' um, New Mutants is a sort of masterclass on how to present a comic book, um, present ideas visually and characters visually, and at the same time have a compelling character-driven story, which is about just having the gang get, getting together and going to find their best friend. That's literally it. That's literally the story. Yeah. And then they get they get into hijinks, and it's a very light-hearted, very chilled story that plays with two of Hickman's, clearly Hickman's favourite character in all of Exton is Sunspot. Um, and, so, and he's awesome in this. And it is just astonishing. It blows the it blows all of the Dawn of X books out of the way. It it just should be the flagship title, or it should just be the title that everyone's talking about. However, when you open your trade on your mutant, you get Hickman, and then you get too much of the Brisson stuff. Yeah, and I'm like, not sure how the trades are going to go. To be honest, I haven't heard like word one uh, on if they're going to separate them out or what they're going to do i would i if i would if i was there and they want to move comic books and they want to be clever they either keep the person stuff in or they just make them two separate and watch the person person stuff fall because from the consensus even the people i disagree with on online about x-men are like yeah the new mutants is really weird because half of it i like and the other half is garbage it really is they're all talking about Remember when they, the Hawkeye book was going, um, shoot, who wrote that book? This is like eight years ago when they had the all-new. Yeah, Fraction was doing it. And he at one point, the story sort of split where it was Clint and Kate. And when they released the yeah. trades, they released just the Clint trade and they released just the Kate trade at, at like halfway through. I hope they, they do that for these X-Men books because or the, the New Mutant books because... Why would you want to sully the excellence that, that Hickman and Reyes are doing with whatever the hell Brisson is putting together? Because what I, what I would argue as a, as a guy working in Marvel, I'd be like, well, it'd make more sense to have the two stories together because narratively it makes more sense. Because the, the, the Brisson stuff, I wouldn't mind, I know how expensive it is, I wouldn't mind throwing out Fallen Angels um, and just replacing mm-hmm. it with Brisson's Young Mutants and just let that get cancelled. Sure. You know what I mean, rather than, and have New Mutants be a book that comes out bi-monthly. Yeah, I'd rather just. It's it's pretty it obvious way. the reason Brisson's in there is 
the Reyes artwork is very intricate, and it definitely takes him time to put that together, right? That's I, that's why we have these like interludes. Yeah, because like, just you on the one side, you have this beautifully friendly, um, emotive, joyous book, and the other one is just dark as hell and for no reason. And it, it, it deals with characters that are actually fun, like Boom Boom is kind of fun, right? A beak, and, uh, like Beak has always had bleakness in his backstory, thanks to Morrison. Um, but like. Why are they being kidnapped? Why I don't I still don't really understand why they're being held by like South American drug peddlers and why one of the South American drug peddlers is pink skinned with blue hair and him not be a mutant. I don't know. It just makes mm. no sense. It's colored in just like really poppy, bright, colorful ways that don't go together. It looks like a hodgepodge of just like. I let my kid, my like my eight year old, just like color this book with whatever colors they felt like, and that's that's not that it's drawn the best to begin with, but the color work doesn't help. And like you mentioned, also the, go ahead. Go on. Also, it doesn't help that um, uh, Flaviana is it Flaviana? Yeah, Flaviana, who's doing the art. It doesn't help that his art is also preceded by a cover by Reyes. Yeah. And the cover by Reyes tells a story. And it's like a whimsical story. Each one's like a whim, almost whimsical about it. Like mm-hmm. the newest issue six is a really beautiful whimsical. The house is fire. Behind, house is on fire behind the young kids. Right. And I'm like, oh, that's cute. And then you go in, and it's like these people are going to kill themselves because then they're going to other people are going to hate mutants more. And I'm like, wow, we're still in the uncanny Rosenberg uncanny X Men. Exactly how I that. felt. It felt like hurting the characters just just for the point of causing pain to the characters. It felt like abusive. I don't know what the point. There was no real point to this. It was just, hey, remember the characters we haven't seen in a while? Yeah, we're gonna make them hurt, and you're gonna have to like watch us cause them pain, and we're gonna love the tears that come out of your eyes. <laughs> you know. And and I will always say that Glob is the is the most overrated New X Men ever created, and Brisson really should just because it is just Brisson's, Brisson's greatest hits. Yes. Like, he's just using characters that... And I know that's that's fair. Everyone just wants to use characters that they want to use. But it's just the two characters he created in Blob... And the Glob, sorry, not Blob. Um, and then he has to have armor because he used armor in a different one. And apparently armor is, is the only character we should use out of that entire roster of new mutants. Right. It's just such a, and then having Boom Boo in is only because she was a new mutant. It feels like, and that yeah. she's morally, morally grey, so that she could blow some people up. You know, That's you ever watch oh, what, what movie or TV show I was watching the other night? Where you're like, no, just say, just say what you're doing. You'll you'll like fix the confusion. It's like when two superheroes would meet in the seventies, like Spider Man, you you. You robbed the bank. He'd be like, no, it was you, Daredevil. You robbed the bank. And they'd fight for half an issue. And they'd be like, no, wait a second. It was Dr. Octopus all along. This feels like whenever Boom Boom is talking to people, they're like, all you have to do is explain what you're doing. Your friends, just to let them know. And you won't be fighting or arguing with, like, infighting. It's just infighting for infighting purposes. Like, it's supposed to be intricate, but it's just dumb. I also think that he missed, because she's also drawn this way but i feel like brisson recently read next wave and, <laughs> and 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 instead and actually he saw elsa bloodstone 
Because if you look at Boomerang here, she's drawn exactly like Elsa Bloodstone in, in Next Wave. Right. Um, he saw Elsa, the drinking, swearing Elsa Bloodstone, and thought, oh, this is Boom Boom. Because Boom Boom's also in that book. And he was just like, oh, this is the Boom Boom I want. I know that Boom Boom's like a fucking, swears like a sailor in it. But um, I feel like that's what he's gone for. Or like he's he's watched Jessica Jones recently and been like, oh, I like alcoholic superheroes. Right. So Boom Boom's just gonna. And I generally, I'm not a massive Boom Boom fan. So listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, but I generally don't think she's an alcoholic. I feel like she's an angry woman, but I didn't feel like she was like an alcoholic. <laughs> but oh. it just seems it it's played for laughs, but it's not even funny. No, it's not like, at all. It's there's there's no fun. Or funny parts to the Hickman ver- portions of this series at all. It's just pain. You mean Briston? Yeah, yeah. It's just pain. It's just just pain and pain and hey, you're ready for and some like, more pain. Let's we're gonna make these other characters hurt too. So weird. It's such a weird tonal shift when they when they essentially win and a beat gets shot. They essentially win in the latest issue and drive off. What a tonal shift! They hear a gunshot. And you find out that the dude, the pink, the giant dude, has killed the mum and has got the gun pointed at the dad's head, the ill dad's head, and then just shoots him and then decides to shoot himself. I was like, what? where has this come from? Like, where? <laughs> Why is this a thing? <laughs> I don't understand. Mm. It, anyway. it, it really just makes the, the other issues of New Mutants that much better by comparison. <laughs> I kind of wonder if Hickman's like, oh, oh, yeah, you want to draw these? You want to write this book? Oh, yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah, hang yourself. Here's a lot of rope. Everyone's going to look at what you did and look at what I did, and they're going to be like, can we stop with him, please? Like, I'm going to let you commit suicide very publicly with this issue, you know? Yeah, he, it does feel like he's doing it on, but like someone is like, like geared Bristol on to do some of the worst writing of his career. I don't know. It just seems really unfair. <laughs> But um, it's so bizarre because, on the one hand, New Mutants is is at, is at the pinnacle of what the Dawn of the X experience is, and on the other hand, it is the bottom in the sludge, wading with fallen angels to like become one of the worst books, the X books of the last ten years. Yeah, That's so weird. it's it's so weird. We we went on and on about Excalibur, and the the. the... The part about that is there are like flashes of like competence and, and excellence in there and, and you know some of it is done well but it's just like a it's a mixed bag that needs to align this prison book is very aligned on what he wants to do it's just what he wants to do is really terrible things it's really unenjoyable that's his goal yeah <laughs> He just wants to punish. Yes. That's not fair. No, no. Like, anyway. art and right team are in sync in their goal to make this a bad book. Like, they are working really hand in hand to make this awful. Um, and yeah, I, <laughs> I just don't want to. Yeah. Fallen Angels is bad. Sure. And X-Force was well, yuck. Um, but this one hurts more for some reason. I think it's because it's it stands so closely to a better one. Like, <laughs> it probably isn't as bad as it is if it wasn't next to the rest of New Mutants. Like, it probably would be bad, but it would be better than. In mm-hmm. my head, it would be better than Force and um, Fallen Angels. But at least Fallen Angels has the good decency to die on its sword and disappear. 
Yes. Whereas I don't think that'll happen with um, Kristen's new mutants for a little bit. Well, maybe he'll be replaced with someone else. Um, you know. Oh my god. Just anything will be better. Like there's. But yeah. You could do. Like I, I like the idea of this being. It's called New Mutants, but it's basically any any X Men that appeared from New Mutants onward, right? They're allowed to use. And I love the yeah. idea. There's all these characters that don't get used. So Hickman's writing about the characters he really wants to use. There's lots of other competent writers who could use a lot of other characters to make something work happening on planet Earth while his Hickman's New Mutants are out in space. Like concept-wise, that could totally work. If we could get someone else in there to do that besides Brisson, that would be wonderful, right? Yeah, Bloody hell, I'd take Lobdell. Um. <laughs> hey, recent years, Lobdell has like been pretty competent, right, over at DC? Yeah, his Red, Red, Red Hood stuff's actually been really good um, in places. Um, right. Should we, I was, I'm just going to start an Excalibur's petition to just remove Brisson and replace him with a, a writer that doesn't want to hurt everyone, because I feel like it's, it's good for his own mental health and ours. Yeah, um, yeah. The next storyline is a group of our mutants go out to talk to some people to help spread Gwakuran love. People suicide themselves. If, I'm like, is that all he can do? Like, this not <laughs> again? Yeah, yeah, we're doing this again. Didn't we just do that all throughout their uncanny run? <laughs> it's just like suicide this, suicide that. But anyway, that's it. They're all done. We'll have to return in February with two. We'll do two separate uh, podcasts in February, and we'll go into detail uh, more on on these individual issues because I have a feeling things are going to turn around uh, for Excalibur. I think Exiles will be excited for the next issue. Gen X, who knows? Um, But we'll have another Hickman issue of New Mutants, which will be lovely. And And a new storyline. For Excalibur, so maybe that'll, I don't know, get back on track. And I'm, I'm... Cautiously, cautiously optimistic about what's going to come out in February. Aye. Um, Dan, we don't... I, I feel like we, we really rushed through all of this, and I want to just briefly... Um, are there any other X-Books uh, we don't normally... I mean, we talk about a lot with Jason, but is there anything else X-X-Book related that you want to highlight right now while we have a few minutes? Yeah, um, I'm actually going into the past. Um, thanks to the title Marauders, which is a good title that you should all read, um, Marvel re-released the beginning of Mike Carey's X-Men run as Marauders, which is when Rogue teams up with Mystique, Bobby, Cannonball, Cable, and Sabretooth, and probably some other characters I'm fi- missing. Um, and I've just started that, and it starts with uh, uh, Bacalo as the artist, um, and it introduces the concept of something called the Children, which are these hyper-evolved people that Hickman uses in the Dawn of X. Um, it's a great start to run, and Mike Carey's X-Men run in general, when it becomes X-Men Legacy, is a phenomenal character study on both Professor Xavier and then when it switches to Rogue, um, of Rogue, and how he fixes Rogue's powers once and for all. And of course, it was instantly deleted once it was finished. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to see some beautiful artwork and see some interesting old um, I say old, it's like mid, mid-2000s X-Men where they were doing the sort of gritty-ish stories um, and the start of a run, which is actually genuinely under 
underappreciated as a great run of X-Men comics. Um, go out and find on find. It's literally just called Marauders, um, but it it collects like a handful of uncanny, and it has some beautiful uh, backlog work, work. Like Rogue uses Cyclops, and in the first issue, spoilers, Rogue touches Cyclops and Emma and becomes Diamond and fires um, laser beams from her eyes, and backlog makes it look great. Of course he would. Of course he would. Uh, if you want to see some. Great writing and some great art. You go do that, and that's what I've been reading recently. So, yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, the other Marauders book, the uh, the other Marauders book, the, the Marauders book that's going on now. I think we we enjoy. Um, yes, for sure. Uh, X Men. I'm. I, I love every little thing. We might we might even touch on that new X Men book for a minute because Sink's going to be in that issue, right? So. Yes. That might be fun for us to speak about, but oh, there's a lot of good stuff out there. We kind of went on a, a darker rant today, but um, <laughs> I think for good reason uh, <laughs> for some of these books. Um, but this is good. Good to be back. We'll be back again with two more issues uh, next month. So, uh, Dan, thank you so much. Uh, I had a lot of fun. So did I. It was awesome. All right, guys. We'll see you next month. Bye-bye. Bye. We can go quick through all these, because, like, honestly, reading Excalibur 22, I'm like, I feel like we missed a lot of stuff between 21 and 22, and I was I not going like to go back and re- reread 21. I feel like it doesn't even finish, either. I feel like it just, like, it's the, no, it stops mid... I'm going to be like, at the end of this book, I'm be like, I have no idea what happened. All I know is, at the end, it says that uh, Alan Davis is coming back, and that's all I care about. <laughs> so it's like, there's one... There's, in this book, there's one quarter of a panel of pertinent information. Everything else, you could just skip and pretend it never happened because it makes no well, sense. You can take my lead because we'll do Gen X first, as a, as a, and I'll, I'll show you, I'll, I'll condense it um, completely, um, and that's how that's how we're gonna uh, do all of the books. <laughs> sure. All right. Let's do this. All righty. Uh...